0: Hello, and welcome to Potternot, a podcast for those with conflicted Harry Potter feelings and those who have absorbed Harry Potter's cultural osmosis and want to dive into the good and the bad. I'm Adela, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a fan in recovery.
1: I'm Zoe, she, her, a jaded fan. And
2: I'm E, my pronouns are she, they,
1: and I'm a fledgling fan.
0: So the first thing that we want to talk about is we would like to address something that we talked about in the last episode and didn't really cover as closely as we should have. This is in regards to the the scene where the Bogart turns into Snape and then is forced into uh, Neville's grandmother's clothes and all the kids are laughing and that's how the Bogart is defeated. One of our listeners, Cole, brought up a very good point on Twitter um, after that episode came out, which is that especially in light of JKR's recent comments, it is very clear that this scene, it probably comes from a, a transphobic viewpoint And yeah. this is something that I considered when I was reading it and didn't ring up, and I should have, so I just mm-hmm. wanted to apologize for that, and I think we should have. Yeah,
2: for anyone not, you know, intimately familiar, the trope of men in dresses is often used to demean demean and delegitimize trans women and you know i also thought about it when we were discussing the Bogart scene and chose not to bring it up because i felt like the text in that particular moment was making fun of the fact that it was a grandmother's stuffy you know ridiculously plush yeah. outfit, and not specifically that it was you know quote-unquote woman's clothing on a man
0: i mean there's always ways to like Think your way around it if you want to still enjoy a scene. Like saying right. this.
2: Like if you didn't is, know that this
0: is he- a ha- very hated teacher, and this is a ridiculous outfit, like a hat with a stuffed vulture on it. Like that's funny, but it's also the trope
1: of a man in a dress.
2: It is also the trope of man in dress, and you can't and we shouldn't have past forgotten it. to mention the context of the author being a horrific transphobe. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Especially after having talked about that in that episode. So yeah. yeah.
1: And yeah. I think that this is this I mean, like, this is a great example of like unconscious biases and mm-hmm. and viewing things through the lens of fandom. For me, it didn't cross my mind at all because I was thinking forward. The I like, why would Lupin bring up Neville's grandmother? Because he knows Neville's grandmother. Yeah. He knows what she wears. Yeah, exactly. And so I think in my head I was thinking forward.
0: This doesn't feel like Lupin being transphobic. This no. feels like JKR being. This is another yes. I'm going to I'm going to talk about this a lot in future books, but like situations where I'm like I don't blame the character, I blame the author,
1: which yeah. like obviously, but But I think that I I did not even think about this and maybe I was just thinking about like the character viewpoint rather than the authorial viewpoint and it given who this author is and the issues that we have with it, that's something that I need to be more careful about. Mm-hmm.
2: And so the, the chapters that we read today, the first one, Flight of the Fat Lady, Flight of the Fat Lady, the first page talks about Snape being incredibly mad about the whole Boggart thing.
1: Yeah. So something that we should have mentioned and we wanted to mention it now. So thank you to Cole for uh, re-bringing it to our attention and bringing it specifically to my attention, given that I hadn't thought about it. This is why this is a community. We're all in yes. it together.
2: So thank you very much for bringing that up. Uh, definitely is something we needed to address.
1: I also wanted to bring up something that was mentioned to me specifically on a different uh, Discord, uh, is the fact that I said that the AIDS metaphor worked in any capacity, um, I wanna be more specific. I think it works for Lupin's story and Lupin's story yes. alone. Yes, <laughs> Within the full metaphor of the werewolf and AIDS situation, is it's extremely bad and we're gonna get into all sorts of details about that later, but for Lupin and Lupin alone, I think it's actually an interesting, if not well-executed metaphor.
0: That's what I thought you meant.
1: Yeah, um, because we haven't seen any other werewolves uh i hadn't brought that up but uh we did get i did get some feedback on that and i just wanted to don't worry (laughs) i know how bad it gets and boy will we talk about it
0: (laughs) all right all right this week we read chapter eight flight of the fat lady chapter nine grim defeat and chapter 10 the
1: marauder's Map." Yeah, some rising action.
2: Definitely some rising action.
1: And when we post this, I'll post the American, we've gotten into the habit of doing this. Um, The best of the art for these three chapters from the American Mary Grand Prix is the Marauder's Map, which I like, I think, especially because it indicates how small Hogwarts actually is. Mm. rather than the movie version, which is this thing that, like, unfolds and unfolds and unfolds.
2: Um, yeah, the true. image here is basically like a piece of letter-sized paper.
1: Yeah, which is what it's described as in the text. And
0: this makes a lot more sense for how big Hogwarts is, because I always, I used to, like, do a bunch of math and calculations to try to figure out how many students are at Hogwarts. Um, like when I was thinking, like 300. Yeah, exactly. There's not a lot of students. So it makes a lot more sense for this like, to be a smaller castle. It's
1: like an average
2: size high school.
1: Yeah, and the reason everyone gets lost in their first year is because everyone gets lost in their first day of high school, too. Mm-hmm. Also, like, there's moving staircases. And yeah, this one's
0: things. worse. Trick doorways.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be huge to make you lost, but in any case, that's the art that we'll post with uh, this episode.
0: Any overarching there? thoughts from the entire three yeah, chapters?
1: Yeah, E. I don't
2: know if I have any particular thoughts about these chapters. Like, they're definitely...
0: rising action, action. mysteries
2: unfolding.
0: (laughs) Do you have any specific
1: thoughts about Lupin? Um, In this first Flight of the Fat Lady chapter, it's the first Hogsmeade visit, Harry can't go, and he ends up having tea with Lupin. And Mm -hmm. Snape brings in in a smoking goblet, uh, which Lupin then drinks. And that's actually the chapter art for this chapter is a smoking goblet. And
0: Harry is very concerned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because Harry doesn't know Latin and doesn't understand that (laughs) <laughs> Remus Lupin <laughs> is a werewolf
2: <laughs> I find it very interesting from a narrative standpoint how sympathetic Lupin is like mm. 100% the cool and good and kind teacher yeah, yeah. which makes me think that there's going to be a turn on him later in this book
1: mm-hmm.
2: I mean we already know he's a werewolf So that's going to come out at some point. But
1: feels suspicious to you.
2: Feels suspicious to me how hard the narrative is going on making him good. Okay. Interesting. Particularly in opposition to Snape Uh in this chapter, like he's the (laughs) defender of the students against Snape, which is interesting.
1: What did you think of their conversation about um, what Harry's Boggart would turn into? Lupin basically says he
0: stopped Harry from doing it because, or he didn't let Harry fight the Bogart because he thought it would turn into Lord Voldemort, and that would cause panic.
2: Yeah. Which, valid. Again, part of the, you know, he's being so honest, right, about what Harry's life is like. You know, he's not a regular student, and they both know that. And then, you know, it would either be Voldemort or a Dementor, and both of those things Mm -hmm. would be bad for a class exercise. (laughs) No
1: kidding. That's. I'm, I'm really interested to see how, how you go through the rest of the book, given... Yes. Yeah. Um, we
0: have the little scene of Lavender's... La- Lavender gets her news about her rabbit that died, and Hermione is very insensitive about it.
1: Hermione. Oh, Hermione. She's, like, trying to logic her way through this. Yeah. <laughs> Not the time, though, Hermione. Lavender's, Not like, in time. tears, her pet. Bunny was just killed by a fox, but Hermione's like, "Well, it didn't happen today. You got the news today. Were you dreading it? Because it said professor Trelawney said that you would, the thing that you were dreading was going to happen. If you weren't dreading it, then why are you like, why are you surprised if you were dreading? Yeah. <laughs> there's like yeah, yeah. in tears outside of a classroom, and everyone's like, "Shut up, Hermione. <laughs> oh, Hermione. Um, but yeah, they all after the Halloween feast, we're already at Halloween. Um, after the yeah, Halloween yeah. feast. Uh, they go up to the Gryffindor tower. This is after the first Hogsmeade visit, and the fat lady. I'll just read this quick sentence. The fat lady had vanished from her portrait, which had been slashed so viciously that strips of canvas littered the floor. Great chunks of it had been torn away completely. And Peeves is the one, of course, is the one who reveals that it was Sirius Black who got into. In a castle. very roundabout way. Oh God! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <is. laughs>
0: and this is the this is the the uh, scene that I. We were we talked about f- for some reason in book one, and I was like, "Remember that scene where everyone's like sleeping on the floor?" Isn't that book four? And then Zoe was like, "No, that's good. book three. I forgot yeah, it's which book." Is. Um,
1: Everybody yeah, sleeps everyone. in the green hall in, sl- in squashy purple sleeping bags, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this is a very we won't show you this until we watch the movies, but there's mm-hmm. some really great outtakes from this particular scene <laughs> in the third movie.
2: It's Just a bunch of child actors in sleeping bags.
1: No, it's actually the adults who just, like, can't get their shit together. <laughs> it's very oh, funny. Um, outtakes are always my favorite part of, of any. Oh, they're the best.
2: Visual media. Especially with ensemble cast type.
1: Oh, God, yeah. Oh, you know what? I am going to reveal something about the movies. The first two movies have a different Dumbledore. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is <laughs> the first movie with the new Dumbledore, who is, like, the old the f- Dumbledore in the first two movies. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the actor. Um, but he he passed away, and okay. he was like a little too old. And the new Dumbledore was is a little too young. They like quite can't quite <laughs> nail Dumbledore. And there's a moment in book four that everyone hates so much. It's so bad.
0: I'm so excited. <laughs> <In> movie four. <laughs> yes, but. I think, I think that the new Dumbledore is, has the energy that Dumbledore has in the books.
1: Yes. I think they should have dressed him up to be a little older.
2: Mm, Mm. Yeah.
1: But yeah, the first Dumbledore was just too old.
0: I mean, he was, he looked as old as Dumbledore actually is. So that was good, but he wasn't able to.
1: Not as rightly. (laughs) Not at all. He did it because his granddaughter wanted him to. Which is adorable. Uh, Oh, that's cute.
2: (laughs) How many books were out before they started making movies? Oh, God. When did the um, first movie
0: come out? It was probably I think it was between book three and four. four. Between, yeah, between book three and four, I think.
1: Um, Sorcerer's Stone movie came out 2001. And book three came out in 99. So between three and four, because four came out at the end. Of, oh, my the God. Of I just remembered
0: that I learned, like, two years ago that even the American movie says Sorcerer's to- Stone. Yeah. I got so mad when I heard that. I was like, why? They like, re—they filmed every scene where they say Philosopher's Stone twice so that they could say Sorcerer's Stone. That's like literally ridiculous. I know. <laughs> uh, it made me so mad. Anyway, I hope we can watch a version that is the Philosopher's Stone, please, when we watch it, because I do not want to watch that. Yeah.
1: Anyway. That's off topic.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so so we get a few overheard conversations in this great hall scene. We get
1: quite a few overheard conversations in this chapter chunk, because um, we've got one coming up in the next chapter as well.
2: Yeah, um, a very important
1: one. Yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> a Big exposition dump. Oh, um,
0: I don't remember wh- whether it's in the, the sleeping bag scene, but I have written down Hermione talking about how Hogwarts is protected.
1: Yes, that's here. <laughs> which is interesting,
0: yeah. I just think that's an interesting thing to look Um, at, because we were talking about that before.
1: The castle's protected by more than walls, you know. There's all sorts of enchantments in it to stop people entering by stealth. You can't just apparate in here. Uh, And I'd like to see the disguise that could fool the Dementors. They've been guarding every single entrance to the grounds. They'd have seen him fly in, too, and Filch knows all the secret passages. They'll have them covered.
0: (laughs) And we find out in the next chapter that Filch does not know all of the secret passages.
1: Yeah, sure. Turns turns
0: out,
2: out. Uh, I think it's very funny how... You know, this k- keeps coming up again and again. But how important Percy thinks he is? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, oh yes. keep that. Yep, that's going to be a a continuing theme. <laughs> this does not
2: stop when he leaves Hogwarts. <laughs> There's a conversation between Dumbledore and Snape
1: where Percy's like
2: trying to also be there. Yep.
1: So we read the circa Duggan wikia entry basically it's very very short
2: it's basically his origin story which is very cute
1: sir cadogan was a knight of the round
0: table and one time he exploded a dragon by accident
1: yep. <laughs> yes by accident
0: <laughs> <laughs> with a broken wand
1: yes the sentence here sir cadogan's most famous encounter was with the wyvern of y a dragonish creature that was terrorizing the west country at their first encounter the beast ate sir cadogan's handsome steed bit his wand in half and melted his sword and visor Unable to see through the steam rising through his melting helmet, Sir Cadogan barely escaped with his life. I have a dumb question.
2: Yes. yes. Do you have to use your wand with your dominant hand? I don't think so. I because don't think it ever
0: addresses <laughs> I'm that, trying to but... imagine a
2: knight, Yeah, you know, a wizard knight. <laughs> True,
0: having a sword and a
1: wand.
2: Both a wand yeah, and I a sword. I think it
1: helps determine what your wand is, but you can do whatever you want.
2: Okay, so the, the wand probably gets the, the non-dominant hand
1: probably yeah it's he's a real he's a real doofus (laughs) yeah and i feel so bad for the students he's the he's the portrait who replaces the fat lady and he uh spends half his time challenging people to duels and the rest thinking up ridiculously complicated passwords which he changes at least twice a day poor neville
0: neville always has trouble remembering
1: passwords anybody right like yeah. shit. my my schoolwork is in there for my next class let me in the fucking portrait hole yeah so uh there's not much to the the Pottermore page where it's the Wizarding World page on Circa Duggan but it is it is kind of a cute one so
2: and then we have a Quidditch interlude yes my favorite <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a
1: brief
0: Quidditch interlude I think the comp- I think the pep talk that uh Oliver Wood gives is longer than the actual Quidditch game possibly
1: Probably. It's a good pep talk. It's a good pep talk. It's also, I love the Quidditch in these books. Um, I also mm-hmm. specifically love the Quidditch in this book. Yes. I think that this book has some of the best Quidditch and also like how seriously people take sports moments.
0: Oh yes, especially this pep talk from Wood.
1: I think we'll circle back around to Snape taking over Defense Against the Dark Arts because I want to talk about mm, the Quidditch yeah, game. Yeah, because that's like yeah. right in the middle. But basically it's, it's a fucking thunderstorm. Nobody can see anything. He, Harry has to use um, an impervious spell to keep the water off of his glasses. He can't even see Wood calling for a timeout, And in the end, he, can, he only barely sees Diggory reaching for the snitch. And he falls off his broom because the Dementor shows up.
2: Yeah. yeah. Which, wild that they can't postpone a game for weather. Like, that, that, that doesn't even occur. I was occur. just
1: thinking about
0: that. Because I, I think that every time I read this and, like, anytime they have horrible weather for Quidditch, but then I also realized that, like, in Scotland, and I don't know about the rest of Britain, but in Scotland, when they have, like, um, Scottish, like, when they have festivals, I'm specifically thinking of Highland dancing because that's what I do, but they have, like, pipe bands and Highland dance competitions and all of the heavy games outside, regardless of the weather. If there's thunderstorms, if there's lightning, it's still happening outside. Yeah. I mean, I think they've changed that now, but that even like in the '90s, it was still happening outside. So, because my dance teacher had to do competitions in thunderstorms outside. So maybe that's just a way the way they do it over there.
1: Yeah. Um, Harry sees the silhouette of an enormous black shaggy dog imprinted mm-hmm. against the sky, motionless in the topmost empty row of seats. And then the Dementors show up, uh, terrifyingly, at least a hundred. Yeah, I don't. That's just that's just real scary.
2: Yeah, that's so many.
0: Do you really need a hundred Dementors around the castle, let alone coming into the grounds?
2: I don't think you need that many total.
1: Yeah.
2: That's too many for one high school.
1: We do get a little bit more of what Harry remembers here. Yes. Yes. That Um, is important. And he realizes, like, he puts the pieces together. He puts the pieces together. This is his mother's death. So his mother is saying, not Harry, not Harry, please not Harry. The assumed Voldemort, stand aside, you silly girl, stand aside now. Not Harry, please, no, take me kill me instead. Not Harry, please, have mercy.
0: How sad that the first time he hears his mother's voice is this.
1: Uh. Yeah, it's, it's one of the few times he hears his mother's voice. Yes. And certainly at this moment in his life, it's mm-hmm. the only time he hears it, which is um, something we'll come back to. And the scene in, that follows um, Dumbledore had lowered him to the ground and the whole Quidditch team is there, splattered with mud. Diggory got the snitch. So Hufflepuff won and adorably, Cedric Diggory was like, no 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 no, I want to take it back.
2: Yeah. Like this was obviously not fair.
1: Love a Hufflepuff. Love a Hufflepuff.
2: <laughs> Love a Hufflepuff.
1: Diggory will come back. He's uh kind of important. Yes, um, I've heard very much about him. Book. Yeah. And then also Harry's <laughs> broomstick has has been shattered. So mm-hmm. And he is very sad. He's real sad about it. Yeah. In the middle of like Quidditch practice and the Quidditch game, which I think are really, I still think that sports writing is something that she does incredibly well. Um, I know it's not everybody's favorite, but I think that she does a real great sporty description. Anyway, between those moments, we (laughs) get some child abuse. Stuffed in
2: the middle here is a fun little jaunt into... Defense Against the Dark Arts class being taught by Snape.
1: He's always wanted that position. I like,
0: um, I know it does, there's not a lot of it in this chapter, but I like, I like seeing like students banding together even a little bit. Yes. Where So in this chapter, it's like everyone's kind of defending Hermione, where normally they would be annoyed by her, her, her or make fun of her. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like everyone is fed up with Snape, particularly for usurping their favorite teacher.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Snape says five more points from Gryffindor for being an insufferable know-it-all. Um, it was a mark of how much of the class loathed Snape that they were all glaring at him because every one of them had called Hermione a know-it-all at least once. And Ron, who told Hermione she was a know-it-all at least twice a week, said loudly, you asked us a question and she knows the answer. Why ask if you didn't want to be told? Which is a great moment. But... <laughs> Snape comes in and decides they're talking about werewolves. Yep.
0: <laughs> just in case you weren't aware yet.
1: <laughs> that Wolfie McWolf face is a werewolf.
2: Hmm. Why would we want to choose this lesson?
1: And specifically on recognition of werewolves.
2: And the ways you kill them.
1: And the ways you kill them. Terrifying.
2: Also, he just goes over their past homework for no reason.
1: Yeah. For paying yeah. all
2: of the grades to worse.
1: Snape, bad. You cannot change Ed. my mind. <laughs> don't plan to try.
2: Also, Ron does a cuss.
1: Ron does a cuss, and it's it's <laughs> bleeped in my edition. Yeah,
2: it's. Uh, do you know what that he called Snape something that made Hermione say
1: Ron oh. is making me do. Yeah, I assume motherfucker. <laughs> I don't
2: know if he knows that word yet, but, but
1: bastard is in here already.
2: Yeah, that's so... true. Send us your theories. <laughs> Send us what your theories. What is Ron
1: saying in the sea? If if you know any really good british swears, let us know <laughs> what you think it might be.
0: <laughs> oh, wizard swears.
1: Wizard swears.
0: Now I want to watch that video.
1: <laughs> All right, Marauder's map. Marauder. Harry keeps the Nimbus 2000 fragments by his bed cuz he can't bear to part with his broom.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, we get a description of how the dementors actually work. In the beginning of this chapter.
2: We do, yes. On page 140
0: in the British edition. This is when Harry is again talking to Lupin. Because of what happened at the Quidditch match.
2: I
1: forgot that they talked twice. Yeah. Adela, do you want to... I know we've been reading a lot from these chapters. But I think this is something that is worth reading.
0: Yeah, so uh, Harry asks why he's affected so badly by the Dementors. He says, am I just weak basically and lupin says no it has nothing to do with weakness and then he explains more about the dementors saying dementors are among the foulest creatures that walk this earth they infest the darkest filthiest places they glory in decay and despair they drain peace hope and happiness out of the air around them even muggles feel their presence though they can't see them get too near a dementor and every good feeling every happy memory will get sucked out of you If it can, the Dementor will feed on you long enough to reduce you to something like itself, soulless and evil. You will be left with nothing but the worst experiences of your life. And the worst that has happened to you, Harry, is enough to make anyone fall off their broom. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Um, So that's what Dementors do.
1: Yes. And this is the moment that I wanted to, E, I said I'd come back around to this. Remember Ginny's reaction on the train? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Think about the worst that she's already been through. Yeah. And I think that that's an important thing to keep in mind because Ginny will remind Harry similarly in book five. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would like us to not forget that Ginny has been possessed by Voldemort.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, And then also uh, briefly talks about Azkaban. Harry says Azkaban must be terrible. And Lupin says the fortress is set on a tiny island way out to sea, but they don't need walls and water to keep the prisoners in. Not when they're all trapped inside their own heads, incapable of a single cheerful thought. Most of them go mad within weeks hmm
1: so so lupin is going to teach harry how to make Repel- the mentors back yeah. off yeah yeah
2: yeah i think in retrospect this scene is going to be revealing about lupin there's a couple of moments where he like slips
1: mm-hmm.
2: i assume has to do with the fact that he knew harry's dad and probably also knows black mm-hmm. yeah Personally. Um, he
1: makes a sudden motion with his arm as though to grip harry's shoulder but thought better of it his briefcase slipped from the desk. He had to stoop quickly to catch it. Yeah.
2: So he's, uh, he's having a time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, dementors are such a terrifying concept. Azkaban is a terrifying concept. Please go back to our previous episode and read about prison abolition. In the show notes, we have linked to many things. All right. Happy things. Fred and George.
0: <laughs> Fred and George are wonderful. <laughs> I love all the scenes where they just like... Finish each other's sentences. They just like talk back and forth. They do this really well in the movie in this scene.
1: Yes, and it it is played by an actual pair of twins in the movies. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. In the last book, Harry made it down to Filch's office and noticed that there was an entire file on Fred and George. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This is why Uh (laughs) they're setting off dung bombs in Filch's office to steal stuff from him from the cabinet marked confiscated and highly dangerous
0: must be fun
1: <laughs> they get the marauders map Mrs. Mooney, wormtail padfoot and prongs purveyor of aids to magical mischief makers are proud to present the marauders map
2: a good set of names yes. yeah i don't know oh, if we ever made those folks but they got good names
1: They're real good names. And I I enjoy, there's going to be a bit coming up where you see more of how the map works. Uh, I enjoy the map quite a lot. It's It's a really cool thing. A cool invention. It's a very cool piece of
2: magic. It's a map that like annotates itself Mm -hmm. to help you navigate, which is cool. Yeah,
1: it does, which is very cool.
2: like a GPS. (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) also the picture of the map that we have makes it make a lot more sense to me how harry can find people on it because like (laughs) the size that it is in the movies i'm like how do you ever find anybody on there
2: yeah is it like way bigger scale
1: it just like unfolds eight times yeah (laughs) Um, like a roadmap like okay in a car yeah yeah but yeah it annotates itself harry is about to go into a secret passage that's right outside the room and he doesn't know what to do and he looks at the map and there's a tiny speech bubble next to his little dot that says descendium now <laughs> yeah.
0: i that the map never does anything like that again so i think it must just be they put like the marauders put something in there for specifically for the passageways probably
1: yeah i think for anything that requires like, a password yeah um, and they just don't have anything that requires the password again. Mm-hmm. I
2: like how careful Harry is in this scene. Like he has a moment where he thinks about the object of the map and whether he can trust it,
1: which is, yeah, I think, Never more... Never trust s- anything that can think for itself. You learned in the last book, yeah.
2: More more self-aware than he's been in the past, which is good.
1: <laughs> and then he still uses it anyway and pushes oh, yeah. off Hermione's concerns. <laughs>
0: but it'll let me go to Hog- Hogsmeade, and I really want to go to Hogsmeade.
1: Yeah, at least he has a, a moment. Yes, he yeah. does have the thoughts. But he's a 13-year-old boy. And yeah. he's in
2: Gryffindor.
0: And he's a Gryffindor. I guess. mean, so is Hermione, but,
1: you know. Hermione's a different kind of Gryffindor. Yeah. Yeah, and he makes it to Hogsmeade, which sounds fucking great. Yeah. I always wanted to go to Hogsmeade. Should, I
0: feel like we should read the, dis- the first description of Honeydukes, just...
1: oh yeah there were shelves upon shelves of the most succulent looking sweets imaginable creamy chunks of nougat shimmering peaks pink squares of coconut ice fat honey colored toffees hundreds of different kinds of chocolate in neat rows there was a large barrel of every flavor beans and another of fizzing wisby's the levitating sherbet balls that ron had mentioned along yet another wall were special effects sweets Drupal's best blowing gum, which filled the rooms with blue bell-colored bubbles that refused to pop for days. The strange splintery tooth flossing stringments, tiny black pepper imps bring fire for your friends, ice mice, hear your teeth chatter and squeak, peppermint creams shaped like toads hop realistically in the stomach, fragile sugar-spun quills, and exploding bonbons. Um, Some of these seem very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: But also, like, the best candy shop in the world.
1: Oh, God. An absolute
2: dream for kids and for anyone.
1: Yeah, and for some reason, Ron thinks that Harry would like a cockroach cluster.
2: (laughs) Or a blood-flavored lollipop.
1: Yeah, they make it to the three broomsticks just because it's snowing. And Harry, while taking a moment to think about the map, did not take a moment to think about the weather.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I'm inside and I'm going to inside. I don't need to put a coat
1: on. (laughs) Yeah. So they make it to three broomsticks. And basically, as soon as they sit down, every teacher in the school shows up, (laughs) along with the Minister of Magic. Hermione and Ron shove Harry underneath the table where he is like soaked in butterbeer that he has spilled all over himself. There's a Christmas tree in front of their table. And he's just like crouching under the table, eavesdropping on the teachers who are next to them.
2: Um, I assume butterbeer is a non-alcoholic beverage,
1: right? It's like a root beer. No, it's like two- it's like 2% Very or
0: 3%. lightly alcoholic,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's significantly less than beer, but enough that a house elf could get drunk, and enough that if you drink enough butter beer, you would probably be sick before you got drunk, but you could get drunk.
2: Okay. But kids are allowed
1: to have it.
0: I've had a variety of different concoctions of butter beer in my <laughs> life <laughs> um, some alcoholic, some not. I
1: have never had one that I liked
0: yeah i um, I had one that I liked, which was an alcoholic one, which was made by like, actual bartenders at the Yule Ball. But the most common one that we always made for events when I was in the Ministry of Magic at York was cream soda, root beer, and
2: butterscotch flavoring. I <laughs> was going like, to say so nasty, yeah. I was going to say something akin to cream soda is the yeah,
1: although I think the actual thing that would be really good. Is like, so for those listeners who don't know, I have celiac and I, I can't drink beer anymore, which is very sad. But back when I didn't know that I had celiac and drank beer on a regular basis, I really liked like thick oatmeal stouts or like thick milk stouts. Great filling things. I would imagine that butter beer but is butterbeer is that. Butterbeer is very much like that, yeah. But warm and sweet.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's super foamy. Yeah. Like rich. Rich, yeah. Very rich. Yes. So I imagine that it's it's very actually quite similar to a dark, heavy stout, but maybe with like butter or caramel or something in it to offset some of that bitterness that you get in beer. Um, but I don't think that it's like butterscotch or cream soda. I think that that's too sweet and not fizzy enough. That's mm. my personal butterbeer theory that I've always wanted <laughs> to mention. <laughs>
0: well, in that case, I wouldn't like it because I... Do not like not sweet drinks. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> I imagine either. it's still like sweeter than beer,
0: like cider level of sweet. Then I would be okay with that.
1: Yeah, I imagine yeah. That it's like a a medium cider sweetness, but like yeah. the texture and and thickness of a of an oatmeal or milk stout.
0: And now that we've finished analyzing butter beer,
1: <laughs> Look, <laughs> butter beer is very important. It's
0: very important, it and it comes up a lot in the books. So
1: it does, and it can be served both cold and warm. Yes. All right, should we talk about what they overhear?
2: Yeah, so this is McGonagall, Flitwick, Hagrid, and Cornelius Fudge, which, can I say, Yeah, a perfect four or five people to be together. What do you think? Um, I mean, it's shameless. It's shameless exposition, right? It is. Why else would these particular four people be out together except to get these four perspectives on what they're about to say.
0: I think also like I, I think that Flitwick and McGonagall and Hagrid are friends.
2: Oh like, yeah, I think, I think those sense. three and I
0: think that maybe I don't remember if it says it but like Fudge was probably just had to visit the castle for some reason.
2: I think Flitwick, McGonagall and Hagrid is a great like friendship trio. I yeah, would like yes. to see that more.
1: So you you get to learn a little bit about some history and some exposition in this version of the exposition and the history that we learn here james potter and sirius black were friends uh sirius black was the best man when james married lily black was in league with you know who uh, with the lord voldemort and was the secret keeper for the location of james and lily we don't know why they needed a secret keeper but willingly gave up they knew that voldemort was after them That's why. And Sirius Black willingly gave up the location of James and Lily. And then Peter Pettigrew, who was the last one in that um, little trio that they discuss, uh, confronted Sirius Black about it and... Got
0: blown to smithereens.
1: Yeah, blown to smithereens.
2: As uh, Fudge says. It's literally like five pages of exposition straight. It is. Like, it's It's really awkward. I get it. Like, from a narrative standpoint, I get it. That this all needed to be information that the reader knew before going forward. Uh But I feel like it's just an awkward place to put it. Uh, An awkward length. An awkward set of characters to deliver it.
0: Slightly off topic but there's just one moment that something that Fudge says that stood out to me which is on page 155 in the british edition he says nobody but trained hit wizards from the magical law enforcement squad would have <laughs> yes. stood a chance against black once he was cornered <laughs>
2: yes, <laughs> this also... is the
0: only time that hit wizards are ever mentioned in any of the books and it except that i mean they're ors but we didn't we have never heard the word or before
1: and the fandom separates them
0: that's what i was wondering when i was reading this i was like is that a different thing than ors because we never hear about but, Hit Wizards again.
1: We never hear about Hit Wizards again, but in the fandom, Hit Wizards are like mercenaries <laughs> for hire. Okay. In a lot of cases. I think that there's also some pieces of the fandom where they consider it like a subdepartment of the Aurors. Like it does say, it does but... say
0: Hit Wizards from the magical uh, law enforcement squad, not yeah. like hired by the Ministry of Magic or whatever.
2: I want a Harry Potter video game that is just Hitman. <laughs> but hit wizards <laughs> it's <Hit wizards. laughs> <That's>
1: very good
0: <laughs> there's so many like just like names for things just because i'm now reading it more closely i'm like oh that's just like a just the most obvious name for a thing like even like secret keeper like i never yeah. saw that yeah as like I i i was seeing it as like one thing and then I, now I'm just like, well, obviously, it's just a person who keeps secret, is, c- secrets is called the secret keeper. But for some yeah. reason, all the times I've read it before, I've just been like, oh, that's just the title. And it's like a new thing. I don't know. Does that make yeah. sense?
1: No, I understand. It's yeah, it's weird. It's like, she's not great at naming things.
0: Sometimes. I mean, sometimes she's good at ridiculously naming things. and
1: Yeah, true.
0: Often the ridiculous names are fun.
2: Yeah. Um, I like that McGonagall is the person who goes to the bar and drinks water.
0: <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. Where's that happen? I didn't notice that.
2: But where they're first introduced.
1: Oh, gilly um, water is not water. No, gilly water is not water. Oh, gilly water is that? a type of, it's like gin.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought that was like a word she made up. A I mean,
1: gilly water is probably like a gin and tonic.
0: It is a word she made up, but it's, yeah. It is an alcoholic drink.
1: Flitwick, by the way, orders a cherry syrup and soda and with ice and an umbrella. So he's the one who orders a non-alcoholic yes. drink. <laughs> yes. Just Designated perfect. driver.
2: That's Professor right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the thrust of it all is that Harry learns that Black was a friend of his parents mm-hmm. and yeah. betrayed them.
0: I also think it's interesting when uh, they talk about whether or not Sirius Black is mad because they... That is a thing that, like, the newspapers have said and, like, people have been talking about up till now in the books is that he's, like, insane and that's why he's done all these things. But Fudge is...
2: Fudge is implying he's doing it deliberately for
0: Voldemort. and says, like, he was very calm
2: when I went and visited him in Azkaban. Which is not to say that somebody having a psychotic episode can't appear calm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Fudge is indicating the, like, strong difference between him and the other people in yeah. azkaban which is a thing to come back to later but that's all yeah. I was
2: on <laughs> fun mental health stuff to hopefully never deal with book is probably going to go there so <laughs> and that's yeah, it. the
1: end of the chapter
2: yeah it, it, it ends with that conversation ending yeah mm-hmm. so
1: um before we uh round out do you want to just so at the beginning of the book, Professor Kettleburn was mentioned as retiring with the few remaining limbs he had.
0: Like, on a completely unrelated note to anything in these chapters, it's just, I think it's a funny, we read the page on Professor Kettleburn from Pottermore, which yep. I did, I have read before because whenever whenever I think of Professor Kettleburn and when we were talking about it in the first chapter or first few chapters or whatever, whenever that was, I have a specific image in my head of the play that he puts on which is like only one sentence in this thing. So I don't know why I have it in my head, but I think I just pictured it when I first read it. And <laughs> then I've always had that in my head, which is an image of like a stage set up in the great hall to perform this play of what is it?
2: The fountain of fair fountain fortune, of fair fortune yeah. which is a
0: story that we can read at some point if we want to. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's the image that always pops into my head when I think of him, which means I guess he, um, he ran a theater club. At
2: I Hogwarts? guess so. I guess. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, Professor Kettleburn had 62 probations. It's like (laughs) the thing that's funny is like Hagrid, Hagrid gets in trouble a lot for what he does teaching at Hogwarts. But he is like he had Professor Kettleburn as a teacher when he was at Hogwarts and he has seen Professor Kettleburn the entire way through because he stayed at Hogwarts the whole time.
1: And was trained by Professor Kettleburn. He was trained yeah. by him. So like,
0: he's just following in his footsteps. This is not- it's true.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe
0: Hagrid, we don't, can't blame Hagrid so much for being a bad teacher.
1: <laughs> you will see a really good Cure of Magical Creatures teacher in book five. Yes, that is true. Although I wouldn't call Hagrid
2: reckless in the way that it describes Kettleburn as being.
1: No, Hagrid's is, Hagrid is like a little unaware, but not reckless. Yes.
2: yes. Yeah, not intentionally reckless.
1: Um my favorite part of this is that Albus Dumbledore presented him with a full set of enchanted wooden limbs on his retirement, a gift that had to be replaced regularly since, because Kettleburn's habit of visiting dragon sanctuaries in his spare time meant that his prosthetics were frequently set on fire.
0: (laughs) That is also a thing that we at some point we really have to read the thing from Pottermore on disabilities. Um and also just I think we should talk about it. Oh boy.
2: Is there one of those? I I don't know if it's in Wizarding
0: World. We'll see. Um, But that's, I think book four would be a good time to
2: do that, maybe. Yes, I agree. We also read Sir Cadogan.
1: Yeah, which we talked about a little bit. But he, I don't know. I feel like book three has a lot of these little bits and pieces that like pop in and out, which I really enjoy. So like Sir Cadogan and Professor Kettleburn, even the Marge uh, one that we read that wasn't great, I think are really good little bits and pieces mm-hmm. that are more wikia entries. And I think that if she's going to be doing this kind of writing, that's what she needs to be doing. The disability one is not in Wizarding anymore Um
0: uh, mm-hmm. okay.
1: is there an archive of it? Maybe. We'll we'll do some research. And also if somebody out there had it archived, let us know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh I think so the thing about Pottermore and the Wikia pages and all of that. And we talked about this way back in either book one or like even the the first episode about how we can look at Pottermore and we can decide what, what we want to be, to consider Canon. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously JKR wants all of this to be Canon and that's why she can't shut up about it. But I think we can pick and choose what we want to be Canon just as much as we can pick and choose through headcanons that we like, these are headcanons basically yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah.
2: They just happen to be headcanons written by the same person who wrote the Canon.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think that's very true.
2: So,
0: I I like these (laughs) headcanons.
1: Yeah. So, the ones I read for today are good. Yeah. For next time, we will be reading The Firebolt, The Patronus, and Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw 11, 12, and 13, if you're reading along.
0: Also, we always really enjoy when people join the conversation on Twitter, on Discord, on Tumblr. If you have thoughts about any things we talked about in this episode or things we didn't talk about, we should just do wizard
1: swears. (laughs) Also, your wizard swears. Yes, please. Any wrap-up thoughts before we
0: conclude?
1: I'm looking forward to the chapter called Patronus, is what I'll say. Mm, um, yes. There's some pieces in there that I'm going to want to talk about plot-wise. And should I think we should. Should we do we our should. Patronus
0: uh, quizzes there?
1: E, do you know what a Patronus is? It is
2: an animal that represents you.
1: Good enough. Yep. It's, it's, I
2: don't know the details.
1: No, that's that's good. That's Literally, that's all we need. Um, I, didn't want to make, I didn't want any spoilers. Um,
2: oh, yeah.
0: Tell us so what, what Ron was saying when he swore yes. and Hermione stopped Yes.
2: Him. yes. <laughs> Give us your best wizard swear. What
1: was he calling Snape?
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening. I am Adela. You can find me on Twitter at Aredell, A-R-E-D-H-E-L mm. underscore underscore.
1: I'm Zoe. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z. And by my book, Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans, Wherever Books Are Sold.
2: Uh, and I'm E. You can find me on Twitter at CEL10E. And you can follow the show at PotterNot
0: on Twitter and Tumblr. And you can find more of the music by our wonderful composer, Morgan, at We Did the Time Warp Again. All
1: right. Send us your Patronus right. and your best wizard swears, everybody.
2: All right. <laughs> stay cool, stay safe, stay active,
1: stay hydrated. Yes. <laughs> Bye.